Let's join our hearts together in prayer. Almighty God, as we have um, read Your Word and now anticipating hearing it proclaimed, I ask that You would be help us to be uh, tenacious hearers and doers of Your Word by the grace of the Holy Spirit. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. When it comes to your Christian life and your pursuit of God's will, do any of these words describe you? Diligence, tenacity, doggedness, determination, grit, persistence, or spunk? Or does this next set of words more closely describe your Christian life and your pursuit of God's will. Indifference, slackness, weakness, whimsicalness. It is necessary for us to have a fixed purpose in our Christian life and in our pursuit of God's will if we are to do that which is well-pleasing to our Lord and Master. There are too many Christians who seem to live and move by whim instead of by the will of the Lord. There are too many Christians who are not diligent, determined, persistent, and certainly not tenacious when it comes to pursuing the things that God expects of us. Too many float along And then they hope on the day of their death that they will just keep right on floating right up to heaven. We're going to be looking at the life of Elisha for the next several weeks. It will take us through uh, maybe the first eight chapters of 2 Kings. And the life of Elisha will challenge you to the core of your being if you were just going through the motions as a Christian. And if you are persistent and dogged, dogged in your Christian life and in your pursuit of God's will, you will be encouraged and emboldened because Elisha was a great man of faith and a great man of action. So as we move through the life of Elisha, we will see that great faith always leads to great action. Another thing about the life of Elijah is all the unusual happenstances or circumstances associated with his life. We'll hear about an axe head that actually floats on top of the water. We'll hear about a pack of bears who attacked a group of children who called Elisha bald-headed. We'll also hear about a small, small jar of oil that fills many large jars before it stops flowing. And we could go on and on. Our passage this morning certainly qualifies as one of those unusual circumstances where Elijah was carried up to heaven in chariots of fire and in a tornado. And I think that's what's happening when it talks about a whirlwind. It's describing a tornado that caught... Elijah up to heaven. 
As we turn to our passage, we are witnesses to the last few hours of Elijah's uh, time here on earth. His ministry has drawn to a close, and Elisha then is preparing to succeed him. And so as a last act, or rather, uh, his last act of ministry, uh, Elijah went and visited the uh, different groups of the true prophets in Israel. There was a group in Bethel. There was also a group in uh, Jericho. So they first started out in Gilgal. And Elijah instructed Elisha to stay in Gilgal. But Elisha refused. So then they traveled to Bethel. When they arrived at Bethel, the prophets, being prophets, did what prophets do. They foretold that Elisha was going, I'm sorry, that um, they told Elisha that God was going to take Elijah away later that day. This is going to be difficult with Elijah and Elisha. I'll be glad when Elisha's taken up in the whirlwind. <laughs> but anyway, uh, as they were in Bethel, the prophets told Elisha that uh, God was going to take Elijah away. And so Elisha said, Be quiet. Uh, don't speak of it. You know, when I learned to read Hebrew in seminary, the word for quiet was easy to learn. It's the word hasha. And so in my mind, I, I uh, pictured someone saying, Hasha, your mouth. And so that's how I learned the word quiet. So in my mind's eye, I see Elisha saying to the prophets of Bethel, Hasha, your mouth. Again, Elijah told Elisha to stay behind because he was going to go from Bethel then to Jericho. He wanted Elisha to stay with these prophets in Bethel while he traveled then the next 12 miles. But again, Elisha refused. So they traveled on to Jericho together to visit the other enclave of true prophets in Israel. When they arrived in Jericho, the prophets, being prophets, did what prophets do. They foretold to Elisha that God was going to take Elijah away later that day. And again, he told the prophets in Jericho, Hasha! your mouth. Elijah was not finished with his journey. He was going to cross the Jordan River, which was about four miles or so away from Jericho. And he instructed again Elisha to stay behind. But again, Elisha refused. This is quite remarkable. When a prophet in Israel told you to do something, you were expected to do it because they had God's authority with them. Even the kings were expected to listen to the prophets. And no prophet in all of Israel's history, except for Moses, was greater than the prophet Elijah. Yet Elisha is in effect telling God's spokesman, telling Elijah to go jump in the lake. He won't listen to Elijah. Elijah says, stay in Gilgal. Elisha refuses. Elijah says, stay in Bethel. Elisha refuses. Elijah says, stay in Jericho. Elisha refuses. 
He is flat out refusing to obey His instructions. Why is Elisha doing this? Why is he refusing to obey his boss? Well, as we look at verses 7-12, through 12, I hope it will become clear why. So in verse 7, Elijah and Elisha continued on toward the Jordan River while the company of the prophets followed behind at a distance. When they arrived at the Jordan River, Elijah then took off his cloak, he rolled it up, and the river parted just like it had done when Moses parted the Red Sea. And so they walked across the river, or the riverbed, we could say, on dry land. When they arrived on the other side of the Jordan, Elijah turned to Elisha and said, Ask, what shall I do for you before I am taken uh, from you? And I think this is where it becomes clear why Elisha was so unwilling to obey his master. Why he was so unwilling to stay behind when Elijah told him to stay behind. Elijah, I think, was testing Elisha. He wanted to see if Elisha was going to be tenacious and dogged and determined and persistent. He wanted to see if Elisha was full of grit. If you've read and studied the life of Elijah, Elijah had a very difficult ministry. God would tell him to go and speak to these wicked kings. And Elijah would go and speak to these wicked kings, but then he would have to flee for his life. He had to go live in the wilderness. Otherwise, he would have been killed. Over and over again, Elijah had to do some very difficult things at God's bidding. And if Elisha was going to be a faithful successor for Elijah, Elisha needed to be dogged in his persistence to do God's will. And so, I believe it is clear that... Elijah is testing Elisha to see just how persistent, how tenacious he is in doing God's will. Have you ever heard the saying, He who gives up never truly began? This idea of determination and tenacious persistence is very important in the Christian life. It is essential. If your Christian life is marked more by indifference and you are just floating along in the Christian life rather than being persistent and determined in your uh, desire to follow God's will and in your uh, determination to seek Him, it could very well be that you do not belong to Christ. Maybe your life might not be overly wicked. You live a fairly ordered life, a fairly moral life. But it's not at the same time devoted to Christ. Maybe you've not truly begun the Christian life. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7? Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, 
And He says, depart from Me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Many people who confess the Lord Jesus Christ have never begun the Christian life. Have never known the Lord Jesus Christ. So I ask you, how is it with you? Is there a persistence, a doggedness in your Christian life, in your pursuit of God? Or are you just kind of floating along? Listen to what the Lord Jesus said in Luke chapter 9. As they were going along the road, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But the man said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for king service in the kingdom of God. So I ask you again, is there a determination? Is there a tenacity? Is there a persistence in your faith? In each case here in Luke 9, the people desired to follow Jesus, but not wholeheartedly, certainly not tenaciously. They were willing to give up when faced with resistance or adversity. And in some cases, it was significant adversity and resistance. But they gave up and did not follow the Lord Jesus. Elisha knew that it was God's will that he assist Elijah until Elisha's ministry was over. And he was unwilling to stop anywhere short of obeying God's will even when Elijah told him to stay behind. There are many Many examples in the Bible of the saints having to persist in the face of opportunities that are laid before them to turn back. And there are just as many examples of false saints failing to persist. The angel of the Lord. Remember in the life of Jacob? The angel of the Lord told Jacob to let go of him. But Jacob would not let go until the Lord until he had received his blessing from the Lord. Or in the life of Paul, God sent a prophet named Agabus in Acts chapter twenty one to tell Paul that he would be arrested and thrown into prison if he returned to Jerusalem. But Paul said, I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And of course, our Lord Jesus Himself was faced with opposition His whole life as He headed toward that awful cross where He would become sin for us so that in Him we might be the righteousness of God. Yet He said, Father, if You are willing, remove this cup from Me. Yet, not My will, but Yours be done. 
Now compare this to Lot's wife who turned back towards Sodom as they were fleeing and she became a pillar of salt. Or compare Jacob and Paul and the Lord Jesus to Ananias and Sapphira who sold a piece of their property to meet the needs of the poor but kept back a part of the money that they had received for themselves even though they had told the church that they had given all of it. God killed Ananias and Sapphira right there in front of the whole church. So I ask you again, is your Christian life and your pursuit of God's will described by diligence, tenacity, doggedness, determination, grit, persistence, and spunk? Returning again to our text, when Elijah asked, what shall I do for you before I am taken from you? Elisha answered, please, let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. Elisha's greedy. But when you have an infinite God, your request must never be too small. Elisha is not asking to be twice as great as Elijah. He's not asking for twice as much of God's Spirit as Elijah. Rather, he's asking for the portion of the firstborn. Listen to Deuteronomy 21, verse 17. He shall acknowledge the firstborn, the son of the unloved, by giving him a double portion of all that he has. For he is the firstfruits of his strength. In Jesus Christ. We have the firstborn share of the Spirit. God is not stingy in giving His Spirit to us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. He has made our heart His home. He's not divided up so that we could say, as a pastor, I get 60% and you get 40%. No, that makes no sense. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not like an apple pie or a cherry pie that can be divided up into pieces. And it is a good thing that we receive the whole person of the Holy Spirit because we need Him so badly. Without Him, we can do nothing. Elijah had it right. Or Elisha had it right. Give me a double portion of your Spirit. In other words, I need the whole Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit to be at work in me. Otherwise, I can do nothing. But with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. So to summarize, Elisha had the promise that he would succeed Elijah. So then he desired the fulfillment of that promise. He would let nothing and no one, not even Elijah himself, dissuade him from following his God-given calling. I think this passage helps shed light on why the church in America is so anemic, so feeble and frail. There's very little tenacity in the American church. We want God's blessing on our church. We want God's blessing on our families. We want God's blessing on our community and on our nation. 
but we are not willing to be persistently faithful in pursuing Him and His will. What blessings have you failed to receive because you were not tenaciously faithful to God? What blessings have passed you by because you were not diligent or persistent in your pursuit of God? You have a God-given calling. You are called to be holy. You are called to put God and His kingdom ahead of anything else in your life, even your necessities. Not just your wants and your desires, but even your necessities. God is to be front and center. He is to be before anything and everything. Or everyone as well. You know what Lord, our Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus Christ became sin for you. Jesus Christ suffered the wrath of God in your place. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. Jesus Christ received all authority in heaven and on earth. He received all power in heaven and on earth in order that He might grow His kingdom through His church, through His people. Through Him, we, we have all we need for life and for godliness. How dare we be anything less than diligent, tenacious, dogged, determined, and persistent in seeking and serving Him. Look at Elijah, or Elisha here. When they cross over, and the chariots of fire and the tornado comes down and whisk Elijah away. What does Elisha do? Verse 12, Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and his horsemen, and he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes tore them in two pieces. Verse 13, he picked up the cloak that Elijah had left behind. In other words, the text is alerting us that Elisha was being faithful when he said no to Elijah because he was there ready to pick up his cloak when Elijah left it behind. He was dogged, persistent, and tenacious in his pursuit of the calling that God had put on his life. I want to close with this illustration. Have you ever heard of a Scottish or sheepdog? They're also known as a Scotch Collie. It's said that they are very loyal to their master. If the master leaves the Scotch Collie to guard his coat, the dog will not leave that coat until the Master returns. Nothing can draw him from his appointed task. Even if a rabbit 
might run by almost under his nose, it is said that that Scottish collie will not move. But if the dog had the mind of some Christians, he might reason, Oh, my master was unaware that a rabbit would run by. Surely he expects me to use my intelligence and leave that thing which I have been appointed and run after that rabbit. It is a rabbit after all. The lure of the world draws many Christians away from their God-given calling and also from their steady devotion to Christ. Christians, do not be lured away. Hebrews 10 verse 39, We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are those who have faith and preserve their souls. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank You for Elisha's persistence. And we thank You for his begging to have a double portion of God's Spirit, which he did indeed receive. And we thank You that we have received that self-same Spirit that we have received the portion of the firstborn, the double portion, and that we are equipped with everything we need for life and for godliness through Him who loves us. Now help us, our Father, to be persistent and tenacious in our pursuit of You and in our obedience to Your will. For Your glory's sake, We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.